0: Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris-Temp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast. I'm your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Linda Ugalo. And here's a bit about Linda. Linda is a speaking confidence coach and movement specialist with a groundbreaking approach to overcoming the fear of speaking, formerly stricken with public speaking fear herself. And she now helps entrepreneurs, business owners, and corporate leaders to transform their experience of speaking from dread to delight, wherever they speak, online or on stage, in the media or in the meeting room. Linda holds a master's degree in expressive therapy and movement studies and has performed internationally for over three decades with the Women's World Music Group, Labana. As a singer, bassist, percussionist, and principal dancer. She hosted the TV show Women Inspired and is the author of the book, Delight in the Limelight, Overcome Your Fear of Being Seen, and Realize Your Dreams. And without further ado, welcome Linda Ugalo. Thanks for having
1: me here, Genesis
0: my pleasure Linda and wow what an impressive bio and background but I know that's just a short amount of what you do so give us a fun fact Linda about yourself
1: well when I look back now over the years I realize that probably most of my life I've been struggling to find a way to feel comfortable expressing myself and you can kind of weave that together from the bio that you read, that I have a background in expressive therapies and that I've performed on stage. And I think all of these things speak to the fact that I am somebody who has been trying to come out and feel comfortable in my own skin. Well, of course, there is a journey in that for everybody, I believe. And that even as we become more and more comfortable there, will never stop growing.
0: I love that because each time we go through life and we go through circumstances, we are constantly finding ourselves as well as redefining ourselves based on personal and professional growth. And I want you to talk about your degree in expressive therapy because you're actually the first person I met with that degree. What exactly is expressive therapy and how do you use it in and throughout what you do on a day-to-day basis?
1: Yeah, so it's probably expressive arts in therapy so it's using drama writing music dance i think i'm missing one an art <laughs> an art to in the in a therapeutic setting and the degree actually is or was meant for working in clinical settings so hospitals and various institutions or educational settings. I actually did an independent study because I didn't feel drawn to the clinical setting. I wanted to work with quote-unquote normal people and it wasn't actually until recently when I became a speaking confidence coach that I thought, oh, this is what I got my degree for because I'm able to utilize things that I learned in that experience in helping people feel more comfortable in their skin and more comfortable speaking. So for instance, we might use writing prompts or we might use creative journaling or or drawing or we'll use some of the movement therapy work that I was trained in to Allow ourselves to be seen and how we move, because a lot of people feel so awkward they don't want to be seen, they don't want to get up and move, you know. And yet, when we speak, well, I mean, we could be speaking on a podcast where people don't actually see us, but if we're speaking on online as we are right now, or we're speaking in person, we are using our bodies to speak. Our voices do not come out of the, you know, uh, a speaker somewhere. They are emerging from our bodies, and so, and we also do. Express with our bodies, whether we move our bodies or we don't, we are always expressing with our bodies too. So ideally, we want to feel relaxed and at ease and trusting our bodies to further express ourselves. So that we can be more understood and we feel like we are able to take what is inside us and bring it out to others in a way that's satisfying.
0: And I like that because that's so true because so many times whenever you talk to someone who has a fear of public speaking, you ask them some questions and they give you their answers. And then you tell them, okay, what about if you change this, this and this, and they make those small changes and you start to see how they, you know, rise up to the occasion, how they just open up, whether if it's them relaxing their shoulders, softening their eyes, maybe using some hand gestures, because sometimes when you use hand gestures, it's a form of you expressing yourself and really being free. So when clients come to you, Linda, for help with gaining their confidence, taking on their ownership and really finding their voice so they can be the voice for the voiceless, what are the first questions or what are the first things you go through with them?
1: Well, I have a fairly different approach than most speaking coaches. <laughs> My feeling is that the fear of, of speaking is sometimes, but in the minority of cases, that people don't feel prepared in what to say. The people who come to me are generally people who are very prepared. They're over-prepared even. They prepare so much because they feel nervous. So people don't come to me to write a good script. People come to me to get over their fear. And the first thing that I take them through is looking at, well, what is the fear there for? What is the fear trying to tell you? Because I realize that fear is not a random emotion without a cause. And it's not the villain, it's the messenger. It's pointing to things in the past, whether experiences or messages we received, usually a number of them that join together and lead us to believe that it's not safe. Now, it may be that you feel safe in some situations, but not in others, with some groups of people, but not other groups of people, or with some amount of people, but not in another amount. And it's not always that you're comfortable speaking to one or two But not to a thousand, because I have people who come to me who are comfortable in front of a thousand, but shaking their pants if they're talking to 10. So it's very individual. So, what we do together when people come to me is we start unearthing people's experiences like where in the family, or where in school, or where in the community did you feel? either diminished, ridiculed, hurt, rejected, pressured to perform before you were ready, judged, evaluated, scrutinized, or you know even sometimes things that we think of as positives in our life. Let's say valedictorian in school, well-liked by all their peers, had a really wonderful home life, yet they still hold themselves to such a high degree of perfection, because somehow they've equated in their mind, people like me because I'm perfect. So the idea that they might not know the answer to something that someone asks them, or they might make a mistake or stumble over their words, feels horrific to them. Even if they do something that they might even grade as a 96%, it still feels tragic to them that they're not at 99. So these are the kinds of things that we we dig around and and look through because I don't know if you've heard of Louise Hay, who is like of Hay House Publishing. She was somebody who popularized affirmations. And she used to say, if you want to clean the house, you got to see the dirt. So that's what we're doing. We're, We're looking at it and not so much dirt in a negative way, but more like let's honor the experiences that we had. And bring compassion and understanding that those experiences, yes, indeed, made us feel unsafe. So that's the starting point.
0: And it sounds like the starting point, Linda, is you doing a RCA, root cause analysis, with each individual to really dig deep, go beyond the surface level and really see okay, are there any past experiences? Are there any traumas? Are there any triggers? Is there anything going on internally that is causing you to react the way that you feel? And that is spewing out externally because if you don't feel good internally and you have some form of intrinsic fear or et cetera, that is holding you back from showing up as your whole self externally and allowing people who need what you have to offer from receiving it, because sometimes we we ourselves could be our biggest advocates, but we could also be ourselves biggest critics because we allow something small as fear. And if you un, unpack what fear is, I've heard it said this way: false evidence appearing real is what fear is. So if you think about what is the false, what is the evidence, what's appearing. And is it really real? And if you overcome those things, then you see how fear is just maybe just a mindset condition. But if you do some tweaks, then you start to see how you can live your life optimally. In my opinion, would you agree or disagree with that sentiment? I
1: think I could see it go both ways. The people who come to me, I would say, I wouldn't call it false evidence. I would call it real evidence. These are experiences that people had, that were real for them. And they didn't have the resources as a young person in their lives or wherever they were in their life to handle it. And I mean, when you have, let's say a parent who is telling you that you're good for nothing and I wish you weren't alive, that that's real evidence. You know, it's not like, no, I'm not going to tell someone that that's not real. I'll help them heal it. And that's what we do. But I feel like what that you know when I first heard heard that acronym I thought that kind of excited me I really liked it. it it felt it felt hopeful in some way but when I actually tried it on for myself I realized no I don't want to dishonor the experiences I had they were real for me and yes that doesn't mean I'm stuck with them absolutely not I am here to help people get over their their past and move on for absolutely there's no question about it but I also want people to bring a sense of honoring to the experiences that they had so that they realize, yeah, it makes sense that I feel afraid. Maybe not everyone would have felt afraid in the circumstances that I was in, but I did because of who I am and what my, my resources were at the time.
0: Okay. I like the variation that you offer there because it's a different perspective to show honor on why you feel a certain way. And then once you honor that, then you're able to move forward is what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. So Linda, when you think about your personal fears with speaking, what was your personal fear and how hard was it whenever you were in that fear and how easy was it for you to come out? So I want to hear both sides of it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I was somebody who was into dance for a reason, and that was because I didn't have to speak. And (laughs) When I was in grad school, that expressive therapies, I was offered the opportunity to give a talk to all the department heads on this particular modality that I was focusing on called authentic movement. And it's improvisational. And I am very into improvisation. And I thought, well... I don't know how to give a talk, so I'll just improvise it. And as the people started to come in, I, my heart started to beat faster and faster. And suddenly when it was time, yeah, exactly like that, fluttering. And I was shaking and my mouth felt like a vacuum came in and sucked out all the saliva. It was bone dry. And when I opened my mouth, I had no sound, let alone words. And I was standing there like a fish opening and closing my mouth. And finally, my my advisor leaned forward and whispered, do you need a glass of water? And I nodded. I couldn't even say yes. I nodded and she brought me water. It got me my sound back, but I have no idea what I said that day. I was like out of body, humiliated, embarrassed, and I made the decision I would never speak again in public that way. And I didn't for the next decade until I had this urging cause in me that i needed to get out and it it was about it was about raw milk of all things i had been turned on to the idea of raw milk from my sister who had adopted a child and was making her own formula using raw milk and i did some research i thought wow this is cool i think i want some and I tried to find some in Massachusetts and it was illegal. And I finally reached out to, I was an organic farmer at the time. I reached out to the Organic Farming Association. I said, I think this is a cause that the farming community needs to take on. We need dairies to be licensed in raw milk. And the director said, you're right, Linda, I'm going to give you two minutes to speak at the at the summer conference. There'll be 1200 people there listening to you. And I went, I said, can you do it for me? And she said, no, you're the one who has the passion and the information. Just write it out and read it. So I did that. And the short story is that I had a fantastic response. We now have 23 licenses in Massachusetts selling raw milk. I don't even drink milk anymore, but I'm, I feel proud about that. But the thing is, I was still afraid. And in my performing group, as I, as you read, I performed more than three decades. I was afraid to introduce a song, even just announcing the name of the song, like, okay, the next piece is this. But usually we had to give a little description. Again, it was that like racing heart. And when I knew I had to introduce a song, the three pieces prior, I would be messing up because I would be distracted and I just couldn't stay centered. So then fast forward I decided to become an online entrepreneur in 2014. And in 2015, it was this brand new app that was going to change the online space forever. And it was called Periscope. Do you remember Periscope?
0: Vaguely. I vaguely remember Periscope because I never got on it, but I do remember some people were jumping on the bandwagon. But a little disclaimer, I was anti-social media up until last year whenever my book came out. And my uh, publisher told me, you need to get on social media. (laughs)
1: Yes. So I was kind of the same way. So like in 2015, I realized I made my website. I started to reach out to people and I knew people needed to find me. So Periscope was the first live streaming app. Of course, nine months later, Facebook took it on. So a lot of people moved from Periscope to Facebook. And then we have Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok. I mean, we have all these apps now, right? Zoom can even be live streamed. YouTube, all these things. But then it was novel. It was brand new. And all the marketing gurus said, get on every day to build your following. And I thought, I've always been late to the game. I'm going to be an early adopter. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get on every day. And oh, my God, it was terrifying. It was terrifying. There was no like you would go live and people would come on from all over the world. You'd see the names of people on the screen from. Turkey and India and France and California. And I, I just thought I'm going to faint. And so I did, you know, because I'm a, you know, expressive arts therapist a movement study specialist, I had a lot of tools. I would do kicks and punches and I dance and I do affirmations and meditation. And I looked up all kinds of things on the internet, like reframe your fear as excitement as if I couldn't tell the difference or don't think of yourself, think of your audience, which was so great, but it's hard to do when you were having a panic attack. Or feel the fear and do it anyway. That's the biggest one, right? And I'm thinking, okay, I'm doing it, but how long can I keep it up? So after a week, I was like thinking, wow, this is this is tough. And I reached out to my video mentor at the time, a woman named Holly Gill, and I said, she was the one who turned me onto Periscope. I said, are you afraid too? Like, is it just me? And she said, oh, everyone's like that at the beginning, Linda, you'll be fine. It takes about 75 days to adjust.
0: Wow. That doesn't even seem like a long time if when you really think about it, 75 days to adjust, and then you're in your element because you got out of the uncomfortable, out of the unfamiliar, into your comfort zone. You figured out your personal rhyme or reason, and then you're rocking and rolling. And whenever you look back, you're like, oh, what was I really even afraid of? But you know, when you mentioned earlier, Linda, you mentioned whenever they told you that you were going to be speaking, I think it was 12, was it 1200 or 12,000? 1200. 1200 you're like ah was it the number that scared you the number of people that were going to be in the room or was it just seeing all the faces
1: everything about it I mean I've been on stage performing in front of you know over a thousand before it's the speaking it was the speaking for me
0: So the speaking. So whenever you think about someone else who may have a similar experience to you, do you work on any like breathing techniques or do you have them do like mirroring work where they practice in front of mirror
1: or power poses? We do all of that, but that comes later. But I do want to just circle back because after 75 days of the daily periscope, I was still as afraid as I was on day one. I really Really? hope... Like you said, it's like, okay, I'll do this. I'm going to just keep going. And of course I'll feel better. But I got to that day and I was like, what is going on here? What's wrong with me? And then I thought, I've got to get rid of this because it's not like I wasn't showing up, but I don't want to live like this every day. And that's why I decided I was going to get rid of it. So you had asked me what happened to you. So what I did on that day, I said, okay, I'm going to make a list of all the tools I have. And I'm going to get, I'm going to get rid of this sucker, you know? And then I thought, okay, before I get rid of it, let's see what it is. What am I afraid of? So I closed my eyes to connect with the fear and asked, what is this fear trying to say? And what came back was, I'm going to be attacked. I thought, wow, attacked. When have I been attacked? And then I had this memory of my sisters, my two older sisters attacking me when I was a kid. Anytime my mom put me in the center of attention, because I was the good girl. I always did put my clothes away. I did the dishes when she asked me to. She never had to ask me twice. And she would say, why can't you girls be more like Linda? And that was their cue, as soon as she walked out of the room, of course, to attack me and tell me, shut up, call me stupid, and all these things. So I was like, oh my gosh, well, of course. I feel uncomfortable being in the center of attention, because there's part of me that remembers It was dangerous to be put in the center of attention. That was the opening. Once I realized there was these past experiences, then I went, okay, what else is there? What else happened? I mean, what goes along with that particular experience is I was afraid that if I was in the center of attention, my sisters wouldn't love me anymore.
0: Wow. So you being in the center of attention, it made you remember how your sisters treated you after your mom was saying, why can't you be more like Linda? So then your mom had you on a pedestal. So maybe your sisters felt less than because Absolutely. your mom was accentuating all the incredible things that you were doing. So she was giving you the praise and having you in the center of attention. They were attacking you.
1: And then you carried that with you for a long time. So it wasn't just that Genesis, the, the thing that happens with people's fear is that it's rarely just one thing. It's an agglomeration of different things. So for instance, in seventh grade, at some point, all the girls in my class, my grades said, decided for some reason, no one talked to Linda. So in the hallway, when I was chatting with a girl, someone came by and said, remember, we're not talking to Linda. So there, so then there was this feeling of nobody likes me. Nobody's interested in what I have to say. I'm not worthy. So probably on its own, either of these things might be fine, but come together. Plus, you know, a little, uh, plenty of other things of being in school, seeing kids ridiculed when they stand in front of the classroom and they don't, they're not prepared and everyone's snickering, that kind of thing. We we build up this, this fear of it's dangerous to be standing in front of others. So- that's what I want to make the point that it's not just one thing. It's usually a, you know, a number of different things that come together and conspire and lead you to believe it's not safe.
0: Okay. And I like that you brought it all together to really showcase to the listeners and the viewers that it's one thing plus other things that are added together that just make up that compounded fear factor. So whenever you sat in that and before you really closed your eyes and really did the internal work, did you ever think about going to a therapist to have someone else like help you kind of unpack this? Or was it just you doing it all on your own and just really looking at the hard truths within yourself in order for you to come out of it?
1: Well, truthfully, it didn't even occur to me that this was something I could work on until day 75, because I thought everybody feels this way. This is what public speaking is. You're afraid, right? And you, you just manage it. So it didn't even occur to me that this was something to work on. But that day, once I turned inside, then I actually realized I have the tools to clear this away. And in fact, in five days, it was gone and it never came back. That is impressive. So
0: At day 75, you still felt the fear. Then you went inside internally and did the work based on the tools you already had. And you saw a five-day turnaround where you got over it and never saw that ugly fear again. And now here we are.
1: (laughs) Yep, and it was amazing. And the interesting thing was, it didn't even occur to me to use it to help other people in this way. But as I shared it with other people Came out of the woodwork, they said, Oh, can you do it with me too? And I thought, Well, I'm not sure if it'll work because I know my story. I know these are the tools that work for me. Will they work for you? Let's find out. But it turned out they did.
0: That is amazing and impressive because so many times we have things that we use in our personal life as well as our professional life, and we never think about sharing those things with other people until someone asks us. And when they do, and you share, you're amazed at the results that individual sees. But if we were just bold and just say, yeah, sure. Why not? If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. At least we try. So with that, Linda, I want to wind down and I want you to leave the listeners and viewers with one or two gems. And remember the core pillars of gems podcast is to educate, inspire, and motivate. So what are your gems you would like to drop today?
1: I would say that if you are feeling resistance, don't ignore it, but to look at it and see what it's trying to tell you. Number two, and I'm sure that you've had other people speak about this and you speak about it yourself. Notice where you may be bullying yourself inside, because if you don't feel comfortable around a bully, which we don't, we don't feel safe around a bully, and you have voices in your head telling you that you're not any good or you look like a wreck this morning, look at the bags under your eyes, consider changing that around and treating yourself like someone who you love. And the third thing that I'm going to recommend is if you do feel uncomfortable speaking and you want a very quick support to help you with something that may be coming up even this week or next week. When you're listening to this, think about doing a mental rehearsal, not on what you're gonna say, but how you wanna feel. So allow yourself to get into a very relaxed state, like close your eyes and release all the tension in your body and then picture yourself if you're speaking on camera or you're speaking in person. This could be for a conversation that you're gonna have or a meeting that you're gonna be in. You can imagine yourself feeling cool, calm, dynamic, relaxed, funny, whatever it is that you have in your imagination that you want to be like and you want to feel like, imagine doing that. Do that several times before the event and you'd be surprised that this pre-paving is going to help you through to feel much more relaxed and much more you.
0: Those are three amazing gems, Linda. Now tell the listeners and viewers how they can connect with you, your website, where you hang out on social media
1: and your CTA, call to action. For sure. Well, first of all, if you want to read Delight in the Limelight, the book, I have the whole framework that I work with people in that. You can go to delightinthelimelight.com Or you can find it anywhere online. I would love to continue the conversation with you. And I do have this mental rehearsal as part of a speaker empowerment kit that you can get as a free download. You go to empowermentkit.me and you can download a mental rehearsal for speaking in person, one for speaking online, as well as 61 Power Thoughts. And what's nice about reading these Power Thoughts, even if you don't believe what it says, it replaces the thoughts that are in your mind that may be kind of like bringing you to a downward spiral with thoughts that can bring you to an upward spiral. So these, this is kind of like the toolkit you wanna to have in your pocket before you speak. And where I hang out is mostly on TikTok actually. And so you can find me anywhere on social though with my name, Linda Ugalo, because it's kind of an unusual name.
0: And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast. You just heard Linda Ugalo. and we talked about overcoming your fear when it comes to speaking, whether it's on stage, in the boardrooms, or wherever you are tapped on to speak make sure you get outside of your comfort zone, open your voice because your voice can be the voice of the voiceless. If you overcome and conquer your fears, the sky's the limit, the world needs you and you are a masterpiece. So be true to yourself, be authentic and be uniquely you because there's only one you with your voice and we want to hear it. So until we chat next time, Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast where you're listening it on audio and follow us on our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kent. And until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to Gems Podcast on your audio platform as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS G-E-M S with W-I-T-H Genesis G-E-N-E S-I-S AMARS A-M-A-R-I-S Kemp. K-E-M-P at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.